uniting thousands to worship one. This is United Breaks Out. Welcome to Tuesday's episode of the New Wine FM Breaks Out podcast. This has been a fantastic weekend of worship, teaching and ministry, and it has been a pleasure to be a part of it. Coming up this evening, we hear from Paul Harcourt, who updated us on how United Breaks Out has been going. Dave has been taking a look at what our kids have been doing. And we hear from Ben Jones from Missional Generation about their work with the AR app that the children have been using. And from Esther Swaffield Bray about the work International Justice Mission UK have been doing with people caught in slavery. First up though, I spoke to Nigel Langford from the Bible Society. United 21 on New Wine FM. Anyone who's been to New Wine, you know Bible Society for the films and the cafe that they provide on site. But of course, Bible Society are busy throughout the year and doing amazing work and have really been adjusting to the last year. Nigel, thank you for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's really great to be with you. I'd love to hear a bit about Bible Society. Tell us a bit about the history and how it came to be and, and what you guys have been working on. Yeah, well, Bible Society has a really rich history and it kind of starts in sort of 1804. Um, and with my Welsh roots, it sort of, it really does um, appeal to me in that uh, I think it was a 15-year-old girl uh, named Mary Jones. And um, she trekked around about 26 miles uh, in the terrain of North Wales, very mountainous, to get a Bible. She was so hungry to get uh, the Word of God, and especially in her own language of Welsh. And she she walked for, for ages to a place called uh, Bala, where she met uh, Reverend uh, Thomas Charles, who provided lodgings for her. He gave her a Bible. But that, that walk of Mary Jones so inspired uh, Thomas Charles that he then went and spoke with another Welsh minister, Reverend Joseph Hughes. And and basically, in that conversation, the, this phrase, a uh, very famous phrase, uh, became known. And it was, well, if for Wales, why not for the kingdom? And if for the kingdom, why not for the world? Why don't we get Bibles across the world? Um, and it, it was just something really, really powerful. And um, as, as a part of that, there's, there's a group that you may have heard of called the Clapham Sect, which... William Wilberforce uh, was a part of, and I think it was around about 7th of March, 1804. They all had a meeting together in Bishopsgate, and uh, they just wanted to to take the Bible um, across across the world. Um, they fell in love with the scriptures and a biblically inspired lifestyle. And now we're in over 200 countries, 200 years on. So. Uh, a really rich tradition and history there. One of the things that I love about Bible Society is the way that you have always adapted. So you've been handing out Bibles, translating Bibles in different ways. And over the years, you've brought in media, you've brought in small group resources, you've brought in um, all these different things to adapt and adjust to the way the world works today. And of course, 18 months ago, the world changed quite drastically. I imagine that must have affected and informed your work somewhat. Can you tell us a bit about how you've adjusted uh, following the COVID crisis? Yeah, well, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, like probably everybody who's listening, um, life just changed and it felt like it changed overnight. And a lot of our 
our work uh, is in partnership with the church and with missional agencies and we do a lot of our work uh, in person Uh, and all of a sudden we couldn't be anywhere with anybody Uh, and so we found ourselves getting um, sort of uh, pushed online I think the word pushed is 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 the right word because we were all looking at each other thinking how are we going to do this and um, and unlike everybody else, um, our online work just suddenly grew beyond all measure. And uh, it, it, you know, at the beginning, we really felt that um, you know we would see a real downward trend in the amount of engagement we had because we'd never experienced anything quite like this before. But as time went on through COVID, we found ourselves engaging with thousands more people than we could have ever possibly imagined and started to engage with the church and understand the church's challenges around this particular moment. Um, you know, the church's challenges with going online, uh, the challenges that came with lockdown. We, we saw the multiplication of small, more organic groups developing discipleship really starting to rocket in church communities people taking ownership of their own spiritual journey which meant that we were were able to engage with them from the perspective of the bible in new ways um you know this new localism um and place that where we live matters our neighborhoods our communities uh so we started to get into these new landscapes uh, and ask new questions and it was really exciting and it really helped us to um, reimagine what mission could look like now, what Bible mission could look like. Um, and as we come through um, this particular time, uh, we're finding now literally on a weekly basis that even more opportunities are presenting themselves to us. So, yes, it was a challenge, but we found ourselves actually engaging with thousands of more people uh, than we would have done if we were just in person together. And I think people have always um, looked at the church to see how they're going to respond. And they probably were doing that a lot during the crisis as well. But also now how we can respond after. And I think you guys have some ideas. You're here to equip us and enable us in that. So tell us a little bit about some of the practical responses that you've been making, but also we can be making as churches using the resources you're providing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, maybe if, if, if you wouldn't mind, just for a minute before that, um, we just to let you know we we did some research around this particular question about the role for the church in the coronavirus recovery and it was really amazing that the majority of the public said that the church should have a role in the recovery only 14 percent of people said the church should have no role that's a remarkable shift in attitudes uh, and then there was um, a huge chunk of about 51 percent who said there should be a real desire for the church to serve the poor and those on the edges of society uh, and another 51 percent saying that the church should support individuals and families who are bereaved so that really was quite amazing for us um, you know, there's lots of other research I could talk about, which, you know, is interesting, but that really informed our thinking. And two things we've been working on over the last um, year, six months, really came to the forefront. And, and the first thing is uh, navigating trauma. You can go on our website, biblesociety.org.uk forward slash navigating trauma but um, we launched uh, this idea earlier in in the year where um, 
literally it is working through passages in the Bible to get to a place of peace. It's not uh, using the Bible as a weapon or as a manipulation tool, but not even promising, you know, really grandiose healings. What we're saying is the scriptures can really help us navigate through times of trauma and how traumatized have we all been in some way, some to much more extent than others. But, but actually, if we use the Bible as a navigation tool to help us, um, we can work people towards encounters with Christ of, to, to receive his peace that can bring wholeness. And so I would encourage anybody to, to access the link that I've just mentioned, and you'll find more details. We're, we're going through a period now up to Christmas. We're going to be training people in different churches who are interested um, to be facilitators to help us implement this particular um, course um, through churches and communities. So please check that out. The other thing that that we were doing uh, is something called Psalm 23 Banquets. We've got a garden at the Chelsea Flower Show. And the whole idea of that was to create a garden that people could experience. Walking through that garden would bring Psalm 23 to life. It would embody the Bible. Um, And so as we were talking about emerging uh, from lockdown and and a post-COVID world, we thought, how do we help engage communities now with the Bible? And Psalm 23 verse 5, it talks about you prepare a banquet before me in the presence of my enemies. And, you know, we we really felt that the the enemies we've all been facing over these last 18 months have been COVID, there have been sickness, grief, loneliness, mental health, abuse. Um, You know, we could go on and on and on. But in the face of those enemies, the good shepherd wants to lay on a banquet. He wants to gather his children, especially those who are most broken and marginalized and on the fringes of society and those who've been most damaged and hurt during this period of time, what would it be like if the church threw a party or threw a banquet and gathered those people together to experience and to embody the Bible in a real way, in a generous way, in a loving way? Um, in, in, and, and to throw in the face of loneliness and separation and isolation, but to bring people together in the face of that in a really healthy way and obviously in a safe way, but to, to come together and to experience the good shepherd's love uh, for his sheep. So there are two things that we're currently, there's many other things, but there are two things that we're practically trying to respond to and empower the church in, um, in, its, in its mission, in its community at this present moment. Well, thank you so much to Bible Society for all of the, the resources and uh, ideas and um imagination that you've brought to how we can share the word and I would encourage everybody to go to biblesociety.org.uk there is something there for everyone and these latest things are really going to help us as we emerge out of this crisis and how we can respond as a church we'd love to be able to pray for you how can people be praying for and supporting Bible Society and all that they're doing Oh, well, thank you so much. That's so generous of you. Um, I think it's um, praying that we will always come up with creative ways that are relevant 
um, that are useful, that are spirit-filled <laughs> to help churches, missional agencies bring the Bible to life um, in their communities. That's our heart is to is raise Bible confidence in the church. It's to change the conversation about the Bible uh, in the world. And, and here's the thing, the third one is to see the transformative embodiment of the Bible in the world. We, we can talk about raising confidence and people knowing their Bible better and, and being able to talk about it in, in a more informed way in society and in culture. But if we don't embody the Bible so that it comes to life in front of people, it's just mere words. And so would you pray for us that we would always find imaginative ways to bring the Bible to life and help the church to make Jesus known in that way. Thank you so much for joining us today, Nigel. I'd love to pray for you and the Bible Society very quickly now before we say goodbye. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for that initial vision of sharing your message with the world and that that vision carries on today. That however that looks, however we've had to change and adjust to society and to technology, Father, thank you that Bible Society have embraced that vision and they continue to do this. Would you bless their work? Would you provide uh, resources that they need? Would you provide that imagination and creativity? Father, would you help them to transform the work that the church is doing and enable us to reach out to more? It's in your heavenly name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today, Nigel. I really appreciate your time and have a great week. Thank you so much. And I really enjoyed talking to you. Local churches, changing nations. This is New Wine. There have been so many incredible stories about what God has done over the weekend of United Breaks Out. Paul Harcourt gave us a bit of an update on what's been going on and the stories that New Wine have received. So as we come to the end of United Breaks Out, it's been such an amazing experience. We, we knew that if we were able to gather this year that we would bring you know, a large number of people together. But by being online, we know that we've reached all sorts of people that have never connected with new wine before and we've probably reached far more people as well i just today had uh, a letter through from somebody who said we've been talking about taking people to new wine for years and had very little response and she writes as soon as we saw that you were producing online resources we decided to show the sessions in church we're a small church we only managed to muster three volunteers so we advertised and planned for about five to 10 kids to come. What has actually happened is that we've welcomed new families into the church. We've had coffee in the churchyard with passers-by. We've grown our youth group. Children have heard God speak to them. Our young people have given testimony in front of church that they physically felt the presence of God and have received answers to prayer. We've had nearly 20 kids some mornings and have frantically been running around finding adult helpers to serve and. Uh, I honestly believe that none of those people who have accessed the Ministry of New Wine in our church this week would have come if we'd been at Peterborough. It's been the most exciting week in our church that we have ever had. And that's so great. I mean, I've heard lots of stories like that of churches where this has been like a relaunching, regathering moment for them. A lot of healing, a lot of encouragement, a lot of depth in the worship. And I'm sure that's going to make a, a massive difference as we come into the autumn. 
From the beginning of the opening celebrations, we started to get testimonies of people that had been touched. Uh, we had a lovely story of somebody who was visiting a church that was not their normal church. And in worship, they just found themselves released into the gift of tongues um, and, and a sense of God's presence that they'd never had before. We've had healings uh, through the youth venues. We've had children praying for their parents in the kids' streams and seeing them encounter God. We've had addicts who have never been to church before who came in and, and heard a talk from an addict who had been transformed by encountering Jesus and was now clean. Uh, it's been amazing to see just the many ways that God's been at work. Uniting thousands to worship one. This is New Wine. I'm Dave Roper, and I just want to take a few minutes just to talk about the uh, the kids' service from Sunday morning. Um, I don't know how many of you checked in on it. Um, it was really, really great, really lovely to see the way in which New Wine normally do their wonderful kids' work, just seeing that being reflected um, in the various videos and elements and extracts and so forth. Hopefully, those of you who watched it really enjoyed it. They began with a um, a quote quiz, and they had to, they put up a number of quotes on the screen and invited everyone to say whether they were Bible quotes or Disney quotes. They also had, of course, some pieing. They had a wonderful, wonderful, messy game involving uh, something a bit like spaghetti bolognese or spaghetti and meatballs, girls versus boys, story time. Lots of really great stuff there for everyone to enjoy. And as I say, hopefully you really enjoyed it if you were watching it yesterday morning. We also got to see um, a guy called Strings and he was in his tent and didn't want to come out. Although it had been raining, he was inside his tent and didn't want to come out. And then when he did come out, he suddenly realized how lovely it was to be free from his tent, to be free and to be happy and in the fresh air. And that had really done him some good. And that really fitted in with a lot of the rest of what the kids session from Sunday morning was trying to say which is that God can and God wants to set us free from the things that we're struggling with, the things that we feel trapped by. He wants to rescue us and he is full of love and kindness for us. The verse they used was Acts 3 verse 19, which says, you must change your lives, come back to God and he will forgive your sin. And then we had a guy called Matt and he did a really great talk in a field um, about Pharaoh and Moses and Moses saying to Pharaoh, God says, you must let my people go, Pharaoh not wanting to. Um, but in the end, God got Pharaoh to let Moses and God's people go. Um, and what Matt said was that in the same way as Pharaoh in the end let God's people go and God rescued his people from Pharaoh, still today, God wants to rescue us from the things that we are trapped by as well. We then had a talk from Effie and Rick and they shared with us um, some thoughts about God rescuing us but they also gave us a really excellent visual representation of this with Rick trying to stop water. Effie had a hose pipe and she sprayed Rick and he used his special secret powers to stop the water except it didn't work and he got soaking wet um, but he then went on to talk about how amazing it was that when Moses and the Israelites were uh, set free from Egypt they came to the Red Sea and they couldn't cross it but God made the water separate and the Israelites were able to walk through on dry land and one thing 
And one thing that Effie then um, pointed out was that what some of us may find is that over the past year or so, that either because of the pandemic or lockdown or whatever it might be, that maybe we've allowed blockages to grow between us and God and that maybe we could set some time aside um, and try and deal with that blockage, try and connect with God again. Um, And she invited us all to take a few minutes to connect with God, um, reminding us that he's always there, always wanting to connect with us, always ready to listen to us, always ready to spend time with us. So really, really good session. Hope those of you who watched it enjoyed it. If you haven't, you can catch up with all of this stuff um, on New Wines uh, um, YouTube channel. um, And we will be back with more comments, observations and um, witterings um, very, very soon. Thank you. Dave Roper sharing what our children have been doing in United Kids over this weekend. And all the material can be found on the New Wine website, new-wine.org forward slash U-B-O kids. Dave and Sal have also been looking at the Luminosity programme and there will be a special episode of the United Breaks Out podcast later in the week with their thoughts on what our young people have been doing. Missional Generation have developed the AR app for UBO Kids, and I spoke to Ben Jones, who told us a bit more about their ministry. Uniting thousands to worship one. This is New Wine. I've been joined by Ben Jones of Missional Generation, and I'm excited to hear about the uh, resources which Missional Generation have available for our young people. Hello, Ben. Thank you for joining me. Hi, great to be with you guys. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's great to have you. Can you tell us about Missional Generation? I don't know how many people will have heard about it. So tell us how it started. Tell us what your values are as, as a company, as an organisation as well. Missional Generation was formed by myself and a board of trustees coming up nearly eight straight nine years ago. And our vision is to equip young people to become influential for God in all arenas of life. And we believe that young people can be at the cutting edge of society and help the church get to the place of being at the cutting edge of society once again. And we think young people are the best communicators to reach their peers and the world. And so as a charity, we support the local church. We resource youth workers and children's workers to encourage a generation to look at the world and see how they can have a positive impact in the world and share the gospel. In the work that we do through all the various resources that we create and the contacts with churches, we encourage the young people to understand that they're formed in the image and likeness of God. They're accepted by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and they're appointed into action to have a spirit-filled lives. So formed, accepted and appointed. And we believe the church uh, have got a real heart for young people and we want to cheer that on, really. That's our primary objectives. I can't think of any better values to have as a company, so really well done. Um, I mentioned that people may or may not have heard of you, but actually families who have been engaging with the Kids app for United Breaks Out are familiar with you. Tell us about the Kids app that you've produced and provided. Yeah, so this is a second year in a row now that we've worked with New Wine to help them, particularly around the children's ministry, to help them explore and interact with the contexts that they're going to be wanting to unpack throughout the camp. So last year and this year, uh, we've resourced them in creating a augmented reality experience using a smartphone device, so an Android or an iPhone or a tablet that has the ability to bring alive content in the room. This year, have created a, a 
experience linked to all of the themes days. So the live stream that Rick and the team have done on children's ministry, if you've not checked them out, go for it. Go onto their YouTube channel. It's fantastic how they've engaged and brought about something to interact as a teaching series. And alongside that is we've created the six uh, experiences looking at the various R's. We've gone through the whole story of Moses and engaged with young people through animation with the little family, looking at the different stories and the themes and looking at kind of how we can respond. We've been giving the children the, the chance to encounter the Holy Spirit using animation and augmentative reality, where you bring something into your room, into your house, and you interact with it and you explore and go walk around and find things. And we've created a whole load of puzzles that links to the different points of Moses' story, from finding a basket and a, and a cloth and then helping Moses get down the river to a safe space, uh, to the burning bush, to building the tabernacle in 360 augmented reality, and uh, to see the, the Ten Commandments come alive in front of us, and to see the plagues, and see what took place in those times in Moses, and hear the stories on reflection by the different characters, Chucker, Sophie, Lily and Ollie and the little family explore why it's important to understand the story of Moses. What lessons can be learnt and how does God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus work in us through the story. And uh, we're excited to see so many people engage in the app. And so if you haven't a chance to, you can download it today and it's completely free. And all you need to do is go to your app store and search. The app is called New Wine Family AR and uh, it'd be a great opportunity for you to explore it with your kids at home. And this app really is just the tip of the iceberg of resources that you have for parents and churches, isn't it? I mean, you probably started with videos, you've moved to animation, but you have all sorts of immersive experiences now. Can you tell us about some of the other resources that you've got? A couple of years ago, we took a faith step and asked, what is the world doing with digital immersive technology? And how is Generation Z and the Alpha Gen, which are those younger than Generation Z, how are they engaging with technology? And how does the church utilise the current trends and traditions and interests through the means of technology? Could there be an opportunity where the smartphone device becomes a tool for mission? Because we empower the church to raise up a generation to live intentional, missional-shaped lives. And majority of their lives are engaged through the means of a screen, communication online, Generation Z, their relationships with people in the same room is just as important as their relationships with the people online. What we want to do is encourage the church to not say, stop your smartphones, get off your screens and stop talking online. I'm not saying the church is saying that, but I'm saying we don't want to get in the fear of saying to the young person, the way that you're communicating, expressing yourself now is not acceptable in this church. What we want to say to the church is utilise the way in which young people use means of communication and interactive gaming and experience of navigation and, and look at it through the lens of how does this become a missional tool. So what we did, we'd already had a number of virtual reality experiences where you could see Jesus risen from the dead in virtual reality. And we also had a load of other experiences that we've been making for customised charities that we've worked with. But the point of lockdown happened was a huge moment for the church to be able to think differently about how to connect. And so what we decided to do is design the first ever augmented reality cross and resurrection scene where you can see Jesus in a Playmobil type feel where you can see the moment where Jesus died on the cross 
And then you can go to see the moment where Jesus was risen again through the resurrection. And we built a little resource around the Easter experience. And we sent that out to all the churches for free just to say, church, do not go quiet when the pandemic hits us inspire yourselves to think digitally and help you guys to reach those children young people and it became hopeful for them to use it and download it and post it out to all their communities and, and you know it was great to see that happen two years ago made the first ever 12 revelations of christmas and augmentative reality where churches were hiding these little cards around their parish and around their church buildings like geocache hunts and they scanned these cards and they brought alive Mary, Joseph, the wise men, the shepherds, and they explored through 12 revelations the Christmas story. And each of those revelations had a craft activity and a Bible devotion to explore how do we apply the revelations of Christmas alongside our day-to-day -day lives. And so we decided to create another brand new resource that's gonna go out this Christmas using the great, exciting, advent gingerbread house and looking at this whole journey of what's the angel all about what's mary all about what's joseph all about and so on all these different characters and it's going to be an evangelistic resource where churches can send out a little pack a little card two parents two families and uh, and it can bring alive the advent story in augmentative reality and, and, and there's an app that's going to be available called gingerbread advent and it's going to become an adventure for young people around the schools and homes to explore Christmas. But we're not just stopping there. We've got a whole load of ideas to use immersive experiences to help young people and children and the church feel confident in this digital age that we're in. Something you said earlier on that stuck with me, you said digital innovation leads to conversation. Really, all you're doing is helping families, churches, communities to start these conversations that will hopefully lead to young people taking the next step in their faith. What fantastic work you're doing. Um, how can people contact you? How can people find your work? The best way is to follow us on social media, and that is at Missional Gen. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Just going on to what you just said then about whole gamification leads to conversation. The art of play and reflect and apply are not new things. They're, they've been around for years. And so what we've tried to do is say, well, why can't we bring a digital element into play, reflect and apply? And the beauty about it is when the children grasp these games, they then realize that they're the evangelists because when the young people and the children play and interact with the content that we've created they then are confident in using that tool to bring their friends into interactive experiences and, and conversations and, and it's been a joy to see how these become a tool where the home has become the evangelistic opportunity and parents are sitting with kids and exploring faith together which is hugely important because the fact that the pandemic has hit us in the way that it has that stopped these big gatherings like new wine and others that i'm missing those huge moments but what it's actually done is it's resourced the local home way more than what we probably ever have seen being done in the past and i think the two can work really well in tandem with each other that's brilliant i want to pray for exactly what you've just been saying but how can we pray for missional generation for ben jones as well how can we be praying for you yeah. Oh, that's kind of you. Thank you. Well, we're taking a, a step faith where we're employing a few more staff at the beginning of September because we've seen that the local church has had a huge impact um, negatively during COVID, as we all know. And churches have been left without youth workers and maybe youth workers that are currently there are really struggling to think about how do they revitalise and re-energise youth ministry and children's ministry. And so we're intentionally employing 
children's and youth workers to resource the local churches as a bolt-on like you would do if you run out of data to get them back up and set up and running again. So we really want to have a clear God guidance on where we serve and how we position those workers uh, and have the faith to do it regardless of whether the budget's telling us or not. We believe strongly that God's asked us to resource the church slightly different in the next five years and we're going to work that out in detail. Thank you so much for explaining all of this, Ben. And it's just fantastic to hear the different ways that we, the individuals, the churches, can be reaching our young people using the resources that you're providing. Let me pray now for Missional Generation. Thank you, Jesus, for the resources already provided and the lives already touched. Thank you for the conversations that have already taken place, the families that have been brought together through conversation following these digital immersions and realities. And Father, I thank you that they are continuing and you're providing the creativity and the imagination, Father, the inspiration. Would you continue to provide that to them so that they can continue to provide new and different ways that we can be reaching our young people and starting these conversations. Father, I pray for Missional Generation as they expand, that you would provide them with faith and you would provide those resources and funding as needed so that they can continue to not only reach out to the families, but the youth leaders and the church churches and help provide and resource them. So Father, I just lift up this entire ministry. I pray that you would continue to bless it, to grow it, to use it for your work. Father, your kingdom come in our young people today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks very much, guys, for having us. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your time and thank you for sharing your heart and your vision and values behind it as well, because that's what makes it so wonderful. Thank you, Ben. Guys, God bless you. Local churches, changing nations. This is New Wine. We've loved speaking with the Uniters and hearing what they've been doing for United Breaks Out 2021 and how God has been at work this weekend. Here's a few more. Hello, my name is Tim Coates and I lead a church um, called The Mount in St. Helens. We are a church plant. Uh, We planted in uh, lockdown last year, September. For United Breaks Out, we have been really excited to come together with other churches in the deanery and to be working with them. And so we've split it off into um, different venues. Um, There is also a church called St. Paul's, St. Luke's and St. Mark's Church. Um, and uh, between us, we've covered um, the youth venue, which is where the, which is what the Mount's doing. Um, St. Mark's has been the sort of main arena venue and the kids venue in their back um, sort of hall. And then on top of that, the other two churches have kind of housed the seminars through the day. Um, and so we've been working together, uh, leaders have uh, spread across uh, the, the, the four churches. So there's been some fantastic things happening uh, during the week. Uh, like four United breaks out in, in every single venue in the kids venue we've seen um, kids come to know Jesus and make that decision to follow him um, in the adult venue um, the same we've seen uh, adults give their lives to Jesus um, people um, experience the spirit for the first time um, but also in the, in the youth venue um, where I've spent uh, kind of most of my time uh, we've just had some fantastic evenings where uh, the Holy Spirit has done just incredible things um, and it's a mixture in, in that kind of venue of um, some who, who normally go to church, some who um, are sort of on the edge of church, some who have never been to church before 
and there's just this real openness and this incredible atmosphere and the other night we uh, we just prayed together we were praying that God would the, the theme of that evening was that God would um, like mend our hearts as it were and uh, the young people were encouraged to put their hands on their heart and then to stand up if they wanted God to kind of walk with them through anything that they were going through and one by one even the kids who kind of struggle to maybe show their emotions in the same way as others and one by one they all stood up in their own time and then on top of that as well we've seen um, some some of those young people like get involved in different um, aspects of what we're doing two of our sort of young leaders one of them has been helping lead worship for the first time this weekend and that's been fantastic to see Um, and then we've also had comments from some of the young people like um, I didn't believe it before but now I think that God loves me. Now I know that God loves me. And I think that's just really special. On top of that, like they've got so excited about some of the things that have been happening and they've been bringing friends with them. And so the, the numbers have grown over the over the weekend. Uh, we've seen healing as well. Um, I know that one person was healed of back pain the other night, which was um, fantastic. And um, just a real openness to that and a, and a heightened expectation of what God can do, not just in um, those coming, but also in the leaders as well. So my name's Phil Harris, I'm the vicar at St Peter's Morley. Uh, St Peter's Morley is an Anglican church and uh, Morley is a fantastic town just to the south of Leeds. I arrived at St Peter's Morley uh, right at the beginning of the first lockdown uh, just over a year ago and I found it to be an amazing church community that is friendly, welcoming and open to others. We're a small to medium sized church uh, that is really rooted in the community and there's a real passion for Jesus here and what we want to do is connect with the community and and show the love of Jesus. I've been connected with New Wine for for most of my life but being new to to Morley here, New Wine is actually a new idea, a, a new concept for a lot of people in the church family here and so United Breaks Out has just been this fantastic opportunity to to show people what New Wine is all about for free, uh, being able to join in online and I'm excited to see the impact that I might have in future years and we're really excited to be able to come in person as a church family to United next year. We've done a number of things as a church to be able to connect with uh, United Breaks Out. First of all, on on Thursday night, as everything kicked off, we we gathered people in the church building to to watch together the the first evening celebration and to be able to get that first experience for some of, of what New Wine is all about, to be able to worship together and sing together on Thursday and, and alongside that we had our young people in a room next door connecting with with the luminosity program which has been just absolutely fantastic uh, so we've we've been able to do that in person we did that on Thursday and then the most exciting thing for me was on on Sunday we were able to have our whole church family join in the, the morning celebration uh, at 11 o'clock uh, so we started the day at 9.15 by encouraging all our families to come along and join in with the, the United Kids programme, which was just brilliant. So we had families come in, we shared a bit of breakfast together and and we were able to, to worship together and join in on the screen, having lots of fun and worshipping God. And then after that, the rest of the church family arrived 
and um, we 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 worshipped and and had that first experience really for many of of what it's like to to uh, connect with with hundreds thousands of others across the, the nation and no doubt around the world worshiping Jesus together and there was a real sense of of even though we were in some ways detached by watching on the screen a real sense that God's presence was with us and and working amongst us as we as we worshiped him together uniting thousands to worship one this is new wine Gary Dell caught up with Esther from IJM to hear about their amazing and life-changing work around the world, including working with local authorities here in the UK. So it's really good to welcome now Esther Swafield Bray. Firstly, just give me an, an idea of your role within IJM UK. Sure. So um, IJM, International Justice Mission, um, for those of you that haven't come across us, we work around the world uh, tackling issues of modern slavery and violent injustice. Um, we're actually the world's largest anti-slavery organisation and we work um, globally partnering with governments to help uh, rescue and restore victims of issues of slavery and trafficking uh, to help survivors rebuild their lives and then actually work tackling their systemic issues of the problem, partnering with governments and justice systems uh, to stop these issues happening in the first place. And uh, my role here in the UK and England um, is helping to connect us here in the UK with these big global issues, issues like modern slavery that cross borders and cross boundaries, um, issues of human trafficking um, that occur globally and here in the UK, working to connect the dots between what we do here and our global family. So on a really practical level, that looks like working with individuals, it looks like working with churches, it looks like helping to tell stories, it looks like helping to equip local churches with the tools they need to seek justice practically um, and generously. And it looks like a lot of prayer in the mix alongside that too. Great, thank you. So for those listening who may not necessarily know, give me just a potted history uh, about the formation of IJM. Sure. So um, I'll give you a little bit of the, the why IJM um, was founded. And it might come as a surprise to some of your listeners to hear that there are more people in slavery today than there have ever been at any point in history before. Now, if you're anything like me, I learned about slavery in my history lessons in school. But if when you hear the word slavery, the picture in your mind's eye is in black and white, then you need to fast update that into full colour because sadly, slavery is alive and well today. We're talking around 40.3 million people globally. It's about the population of Canada. And it takes different forms from uh, from bonded labour slavery. So families in brick kilns or in sweatshops making our clothes to um, child slavery, children on fishing boats to, to human trafficking, to sexual exploitation, to a very, very dark new form of slavery, the online sexual exploitation of children that we've sadly seen skyrocket during the pandemic. And there are lots um Lots of things that, that we can do around this, but there's one thing that forms of slavery have in common, and that is that it is illegal pretty much everywhere in the world. 
But what doesn't exist necessarily is the systems to actually enforce the law, to actually say, you know what, this shouldn't be happening. Um, and if you're a trafficker, tricking, trapping, trading those more vulnerable than you, that, that you should be stopped. So IJM was set up around 20 years ago as our founder, Gary Haugen, was looking at these issues of violence that were undermining traditional poverty relief efforts and actually saying, what would it mean not only to, to, to get people out of that situation, to get that girl out of the brothel or the family out of the brick kiln. What would it actually mean if we could stop that happening in the first place? Because there are laws in place that are meant to stop this happening, but no one's enforcing the law. So about 20 years ago, um, we uh, we were founded. Um, it was in the wake actually of the Rwandan genocide, um, which was one of the most horrendous um, genocides in, in, in modern time. Um, and I remember hearing Gary, our founder, talk about that. And he was so struck that that no one stopped the man with the machete when it came to it. No one stopped the man with the machete. And what would it look like if the people of God around the world got in the way, essentially, between the violent person and, and those with seemingly little power? and actually help to interrupt those patterns of violence. So fast forward 20 years, and um, we have now, um, as I said, become the world's largest anti-slavery organization. By the grace of God, we've seen over 66,000 individuals rescued from cases of slavery and violence. But more than that, we're seeing whole nations begin to change as we actually tackle the violence that is at the heart of these sorts of issues. Now, you mention uh, nations there, and I think it's fairly safe to say that the UK is not and hasn't been immune from issues of modern slavery. Is that something which you get involved in here at home? Do you partner with other agencies that are involved with the eradication of modern slavery uh, within the UK? Or is it really just about awareness in the UK of that? Well, uh, Gary, you're, you're right in that slavery does occur here too. And estimates range, um, but we um, experts estimate that there are around about 100,000 people at any one time that could be in modern day slavery in the UK. And the short answer is yes, IJM do work here in the UK. And we work on many different levels. You've mentioned awareness raising and, and advocacy as we help encourage the government to, to respond. Um, but we actually work operationally too, uh, partnering with local police um, here to help um, intervene and help bring um, about justice in cases of trafficking, typically from Eastern to Western Europe. And um, I'll, I'll tell you the story, actually, of one remarkable lady, uh, we'll call her Angela, who um, at the kind of beginning of this year, around about springtime, um, she um, was trafficked from Romania to the UK. And it was a, a kind of common pattern whereby she um, met a man online who told her that he loved her, that he wanted to marry her, that she could escape her life of poverty. And uh, she was experiencing domestic abuse back in Romania, that if she came to the UK, that he would marry her and they would live happily ever after. And of course, that was not true. When she arrived in London, she was um, forced into sexual exploitation. Um, but what is remarkable is Angela actually managed to escape. 
she uh, managed to to escape from where she was being held and actually contacted a member of the public who uh, rang the police and the police in turn contacted IJM. And we were able to safely repatriate An- uh, Angela, help reunite her with her family. And actually more than that, IJM in Romania were able to connect her then with a local church and a local NGO who are now ensuring that she is receiving the, the best in trauma-informed care and, and help to, to rebuild her life. But um, what I love about that story is the partnership involved in, in every level, from, um, from Angela contacting a member of the public, who contacted the police, who contacted IJM in the UK, who then were able to work with IJM in Romania, working with the local church and another NGO to ensure this young woman was cared for. But also, it's a great example of the resilience and the strength of the people that we're working with. You know, that Angela herself was able to muster the courage and she is in the most horrendous situation. And yet she is strong. She is a survivor. She is not a victim. And um, although these issues are very, very difficult uh, to deal with often, you know, the resilience and the courage of our survivors, gosh, it, it blows us away and hers is is one story and it doesn't yet have a neat ending the case is ongoing the perpetrator um we hope and pray will be brought to justice that is ongoing um but amazing story yes and that of course is one story about one person but um i guess not all of the situations that igem as an organization finds itself engaging with are one person's stories where have you seen big numbers of people that Mm. you've been able to take out of these situations oh that's a wonderful question you know what our largest rescue operation to date was of 564 individuals right from little kids up to grandparents 564 from a brick kiln in south asia that was a couple of years ago and some of those families have been held for for generations there were generations that had been held in slavery just uh last uh somewhere about nine months ago or so we saw another rescue also in south asia of um over 200 people i I think it was um who again had been trafficked um into uh bonded labor slavery during the pandemic um essentially with the migrant crisis that was created in in south asia lots and lots and lots of individuals have become trapped in their places of work were unable to leave and were being forced to work in in slavery conditions and ijm were able to to find and release um these uh, 200 plus people from this one facility. But actually what that sparked over the next coming days was nothing short of miraculous because what happened was the local authorities basically got wind of what was going on. And they said to us, can you help us investigate what's going on in the local area? And within the next 48 hours, basically as local authorities with IJM hand in hand began to look around the local area, they discovered close to 7,000 other individuals who had been trapped and were being held and unable to leave. And um, we were able to see close to 7,000 people (laughs) set free through that one rescue that IGEN then catalyzed and then basically helping the local authorities. Um, That's pretty remarkable, isn't it? You go from Uh, a couple of hundred to close to 7,000. This is the spirit of God moving through um, IGEN then actually 
the local government, the local partners, local people. It wasn't IJM alone who rescued over 7,000 people. No, no, no. It was breathing life into the system. Then their system, the local authorities and the government kicking into action and making sure that thousands of people were set free. And that was just last, yeah, not very long ago. (laughs) And that's a fantastic number, isn't it? But of course, still interestingly, a drop in the ocean compared with that huge number that you mentioned earlier that's equivalent to the population of somewhere like Canada. Well, you say, Gary, a drop in the ocean. And on one hand, you're right, that's uh, a few thousand people in the scale of, of millions. But what is so encouraging about that is seeing the system work and essentially systemic change come. There's a whole area now where the local officials are are clearly um, competent, passionate, empowered, skilled and doing the job to ensure that their people are protected. And that is a story that we're seeing time and time again, that actually as you um, can go about and take on individual casework, but then actually work on the systemic issues. So um, empowering and working alongside and giving the resources that are needed to the, the local authorities, the local government, that you can affect change on a massive scale. So in the Philippines, for example, we saw up to an 86% reduction in child trafficking. Yes, by helping uh, rescue um, around about 600 children in four years. But actually, working on the other end of the problem too, and helping empower the social services, the police, the undercover investigators, the magistrates, the legal system, uh, to do the very best job they can. And then thousands and hundreds of thousands, perhaps, of children have been protected from being trafficked in the first place. So yes, a rescue, um, or seeing thousands rescued each year. Yes, on one hand, you could say, well, there are still millions out there. But each of those rescued actually shows the system beginning to work, the wheels of justice beginning to turn to the point where we really can say it is possible to end this. It really is possible to end this. We're seeing it happen. We're seeing the evidence um, that it is possible, perhaps even, dare I say it, within a generation. Yeah, and I guess that's a a, a real testament to the uh, advocacy work of organisations like IJM UK and and IJM uh, more globally. But what about us as individuals? You mentioned earlier that modern slavery is being used within, um, you know, the manufacture, the making of things that we use and consume kind of on a daily basis. How can we as individuals get an idea that something, you know, that, that we consume is being manufactured in such a way and perhaps do our little bit to help eradicate that or put a stop to that through our you know our consumer choices if you like Mm. well you know what asking the question is a great place to start not remaining neutral and these things thrive in the dark so when we begin to shed a light on issues of modern slavery and even modern slavery as you say hidden deep in the supply chains of what we eat and wear and consume you know perhaps even the phone you're listening to this on um then we can begin to affect change. And IGM, we've actually uh, produced a resource to help you start to investigate um, where the products you're using come from and the connections that they may have um, to our brothers and sisters around the world. And if you head to ijmuk.org forward slash slave free, you'll find some brilliant resources to to help you engage with this question. And um, great resources to do as a small group in your church, great to do as an individual. Um, But I'd encourage you, start asking the question. Perhaps there is one 
product that you love. Perhaps you're a fan of chocolate. Well, perhaps you can write to your favorite chocolate brand and, and ask them what they're doing about it. So at the end of the day, companies will only sell what consumers want. And if we as consumers actually say what we want is to know, what we want is a supply chain that is slave free. What we want is for you to pay your workers fairly. What we want is for you not to be exploiting children. You know, that will start to change the conversation. And um, it can feel very, very overwhelming as we start to engage with this. Um, I know that for sure. Um, and you know what? You cannot do everything but you cannot do nothing. So perhaps there's one item you can begin to look into. That would be a great place to start, but check out ijmuk.org forward slash slave free for some really helpful resources to begin to engage with this side of the work. Great, thank you, thank you for that. Now again, you, you said a little bit earlier that obviously the pandemic has had um, an effect on the work and the ministry of IJM, what have you had to do to adapt how you do things, how you approach things, um, both in the sense of um, perhaps you know resources that you offer, but equally you know on, on on the ground the practical things to still do this really effective work, but within the confines and restrictions we've had placed on us as countries and societies through the pandemic. Well, Gary, what um, is really encouraging is that last year, despite all of the challenge and all of the difficulty, IGM actually saw the most people set free and released from cases of slavery and oppression than we have seen in any other year since. Uh, close to eight and a half thousand people, which while the world was on lockdown, um, is just remarkable and is testament to the strength and resilience, wisdom and courage of my colleagues around the world, but also the strength of the partnerships with government that have been built over many, many years. Because at the end of the day, when a crisis hits, you know, being able to be right there working alongside the government still, um, yes, in full PPE, yes, changing protocols to make sure every rescue is safe and every survivor has somewhere safe to be, to heal and recover. Yes, there's been some real difficulty in them. But by the grace of God, we've seen those partnerships um, allow the work to flourish. And quite honestly, if the work has got, if the work wasn't urgent before, it, it has got even more needed with rates of poverty around the world increasing, with global lockdowns, with children not in school, so the usual safeguards often lacking, with the criminal justice system under huge amounts of pressure and traffickers thinking they can get away with it. Gosh, there's a whole combination of factors that mean that if those who already were vulnerable to cases of trafficking or, or modern slavery or exploitation, gosh, many have become much, much more vulnerable. So if ever there was a time for IGM to step up and step in, this has been it. And, you know, I can, I can safely say that we've, yeah, it's been, it's been hard and it continues to be challenging. Um, you know, the pandemic isn't over yet, but I can safely say that we are seeing remarkable progress and we, <laughs> we're not going to back down and, and stop. There are people in slavery today who we know desperately need freedom now you've talked a lot about um practical work there by yourselves as a as a ministry um but of course i guess we can all join in with the work of ijm and ijm uk particularly through prayer um it's a 
still a practical thing, but actually it's something which we can all do wherever we are. What's the role of prayer in the work of IJM UK? The role of prayer around the world for IJM is absolutely central. You know, the sort of change that we're seeking in the world, an end to slavery, an end to oppression, gosh, that is nothing short of miraculous. And so we know that we must come to Father God, the God of justice, and ask him to help us. And that looks really practical, actually, for us at IJM. We spend an hour of every working day in prayer. And that is every single member of staff in every country we work. That is thousands and thousands of hours of staff time every day, millions of pounds of costs of staff time every year. But my goodness, is it worth it? And I wouldn't be able to sit here telling you these stories about 86% reductions of slavery in countries. I, I am sure I wouldn't be able to sit here and, and say, we think we can end this, you know, if we weren't relying on the power of God. Yes, alongside very hard work, diligent, dedicated, expert staff, but the power of prayer is what makes the difference. And we have an amazing community of prayer partners around the world, individuals who commit to pray for justice, who commit to pray for the rescues going out, the restoration of survivors, who commit to pray for the government advocacy, for the resources to do this work, you name it. We'll pray for it. And um, if you are feeling stirred listening to this, so you too would like to get involved in this nation changing, life changing work, bringing justice, bringing freedom, bringing healing, then I would love to invite you to, to join the Pray for Justice community. And if you go to ijmuk.org slash new wine, um, you'll see there's information, a link to sign up there to, to pray. And quite simply, you'll just get um, prayer requests um, a couple of times a month into your inbox, really specific things that you can be praying for. There's opportunities to get involved with special exclusive Pray for Justice events during the year with other passionate justice seekers. Um, but we absolutely covet your prayer. We really, really do. This is dark and dangerous work, but we know that God came to set the captives free and he invites us to be part of those stories. So um, yeah, we'd love to get uh, invite you to, to get involved. If you check out that's ijmuk.org slash newwine. Yeah, come and join us. Come and pray for justice. Come and see transformation and freedom. Come, you'll love it. <laughs> and and what about other ways of being able to engage with IJM UK, social media, um, other resources that people can go to to find out more about the work and keep updated on a regular basis to fuel that prayer for you? Mm. Well, yeah, if you check out IJM UK at IJM UK on Instagram, on Twitter, uh, on, on uh, Facebook as well, International Justice Mission UK, you'll get a regular stream into your news feed of good news stories and ways that you can get involved with this important work. And again, if you head to IJMUK.org slash new wine, um, you can sign up to get ways that you can get involved right into your inbox. Um, you can sign up to pray, you can sign up to give, you can sign up to be a champion to get your church involved and um, the possibilities really are endless so that's ijm uk on social media or ijmuk.org slash new wine um, to get connected great esther swaffield bray england director for ijm uk thank you so much for speaking with me and god bless you pleasure thank you so much gary Thank you ever so much for listening to the New Wine FM Breaks Out podcast this year. 
It has been an amazing weekend full of worship, ministry and teaching for all ages and participated in by people all across the country. It's not over for us quite yet though. We have one more episode coming your way tomorrow where we will be speaking to Sat7 and Connect Radio, hearing about New Wines Church Planting Ministry and finding out from more Uniters about what they have been doing this weekend to bring new wine into their churches and communities. Thank you for listening and God bless. You've been listening to a podcast from New Wine FM. For more information, visit new-wine.org forward slash breaks out.